you rapid cycling between screaming and, and hysterical laughter. When all the bugs were pouring down, I found it hilarious because the contrast of Rachel's completely unfazedness. She's like, oh, this is just another day where there are maggots. Like, that's how she was. <laughs> but just the contrast of her next to Andy's mental breakdown, that was very funny. Then my screams were when they had to stick their heads in. The size of your reactions, though, if people saw a video of them, they'd they think you were turning it on for the camera. People would know it was real. I think you come across about as authentic as Christian pretending that he'd been approached by the traitors. Are you trying to be funny or do you really think that? <laughs> Hello, we're into the penultimate episode. I wondered if at this stage of the series we might be having to perform how exciting it is, but oh no. No, we just watched episodes seven and eight and they were both showstoppers. Shall we pay our respects to the departed? I mean, this already seems like a million years ago, but Cody. I don't particularly care about Cody. I'll never remember him after another week. But I, he, he struck me as a decent human in that moment. And a guy living an okay life. Then we had a murder, Angelica. Angelica. It's the last time you'll get to do that. Eliza and Peggy. Can we talk about her crying as well? She seemed more upset once she knew she was murdered that, that she might not get any breakfast <laughs> than, than that she was murdered. I hope they gave her a doggy bag. <gasps> a little doggy bag with some like watery eggs. And I'll be honest with you, Angelica, I was exhausted by you by the end. <laughs> I was just like, Jesus Christ, I can't. I feel nothing. <laughs> I feel nothing in the, in response to your tears. Is there ever an occasion where somebody is crying where it doesn't make you uncomfortable? Oh, I'm so comfortable in the face of tears. So when you're comforting somebody if they're crying, are you just reacting naturally or are you trying to do an impersonation of what you should do when someone's crying? I'm just thinking how good I am at comforting people. Really? Oh, come on. That's what people do. There's something in your brain with your arm around your friend being like, God, I'm a good friend. <laughs> Now you're just trying to be nice to me and make me feel like I'm not a sociopath. I wasn't, I wasn't. And then we had a banishment. And I, th I think it was the most emotional banishment, which was Shelby. Shelby's was excruciating. Because, because she should have won. She, she would have been the best use of the prize money, I think. There was a, an ickiness to it that I have not felt at any other moment in this series or the UK version. And it's because I don't think anyone who voted for her really thought she was a traitor. It was ultimately all these people going, Shelby's nice and a single mom, but I want me that money. first, me before you. And it made them feel bad in themselves, but not bad enough that they weren't going to do it. It made us feel gross to watch it. And you very humorously said when um, Sari was crying, if it upsets you that much, you could share your winnings with her. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. If you guys find this this upsetting throw her a bone. So, so you don't buy the idea that what happened was people thought she was behaving suspiciously no. because she was feeling this sad is exactly and missing, that. missing I'm glad you kid. said that. People knew it was a mom missing her kid. She hadn't felt her kid's body against her body. She was feeling bad. They fucking knew that that's what the quote unquote suspicious behavior was about. Then there was the plot twist. Gosh, I love a plot twist, don't you? The traitors got to bring in another traitor. It felt like Ari was the obvious choice. Yes. In fact, the second that we knew it was that moment in the show, you, without missing a beat, went Ari. Although it did occur to me that I wonder if part of the reason he's gone on this show is trying to rehabilitate his reputation. 
As so a, he's that reviled? I think, I, think, I think he's a cheat. I think, I think he's a love rat. And then given the opportunity to yeah. get involved with a bit of deception, he can't help himself. He's pulled right back in again. No, no, Ari, I'm, I'm on your side. I think the edited version of Ari is doing him wrong and he's an okay dude. What, what about Christian's idiotic power move at breakfast? <laughs> And it was the way that he, you could tell that he'd been working his way up to it. My note to you, Christian. First of all, I think we were possibly a bit too harsh on you in previous episodes. My apology. What I would say moving forward, my advice to you unsolicited, is with every choice you make in your life, both in the traders and outside of it, you need to ask someone else's opinion first. <laughs> Like, he's not a guy who should be making unilateral moves. No, everyone says, oh, you should trust your gut. No, He, he should yeah. not so trust Christian, his gut. when you have a gut instinct, you take a beat, you talk to someone, <laughs> then you go from there. His inability to act well. It's some of the worst acting I've seen since Andrew Lincoln in Love, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I Which recommend... I, know, I know he's an esteemed actor with a long career, and I'm sure that is just a blip. But if you watch that film and watch his acting... Is it a blip for him? I don't know. I don't there know. There are these actors, like uh, Julia Roberts. I mean, I, it's not the most current reference, but there are these actors who are like terrible mm. actors. Like watching them on a screen is quite uncomfortable and they have huge careers. It's, and but, I think but, he's one of them, no? It's about the face a lot of the time, though, isn't it? Just having like a face so, to launch. Yeah, yeah. Face. So if your face looks like Julia Roberts, you're not really concentrating on how she's delivering the lines. She's lighting up the silver screen. She does light up the silver screen. I'm yeah. not sure Christian quite has that to him. Is he, he's a good looking lad. He's a little bit attractive. I don't want to touch him, but he's. it's like <laughs> he is attractive. And then the other banishment was Rachel, who, who took it well. That was the traitor's at its best and it was painful because what I, whatever it was I said about Cody and his exit and you're like this guy's having an okay life and I watched Rachel exit and I thought this is a woman who carries a, an incredible amount of pain it's so close to the surface it's so out of control it turns the mind to the ethics of reality TV because people are psychologically screened. And I wonder if there's a sweet spot where if somebody is two notches beneath the danger zone, then that's who you want as one of your contestants. Did you want her to survive? I did, because I really enjoyed how much the hatred between her and Kate was above the surface. Any time at the round table, it was like, Kate, I'm voting for you because I don't like you. Rachel, I'm voting for you because I hate you. I think if you transcribed every conversation between Rachel and Kate, and then you transcribed a conversation between like 11-year-old girls... <laughs> You would not be able to tell the difference. Yeah, I think and it, that's not actually me throwing either Kate or Rachel under the bus. I think I think that is true of how adults argue when we get het up. We sound like tweens. Now, I I want to say that I've always felt warmly towards Alan Cumming. Yeah, how can you not? But I th I think I'm actively becoming a fan now. Previous to this, you didn't think of yourself as a fan of Alan Cummings. I, I don't think of myself as a fan particularly of. Almost anybody apart from like the Beatles or Larry David. Or, or okay. I just felt warmly towards him. And now I'm thinking of buying a bottle of his fragrance coming. <laughs> it's so interesting because he seems like a man of taste. So I want to believe that, that scent coming smells incredible. But I don't think so. 
Are these things all just money spinners for basically every celebrity when they produce a fragrance? I think they are. Yeah, but any of these things, when there's a celebrity endorsement, the the idea that they're with the fragrance that they're in the lab mixing it up, I've... or if they're, they're there at the sketchbook designing the clothes, okay. surely they just go in, get presented some options, say, yeah, I'll have that one, put all my I'm name on it. I'm saying is I follow both Jennifer Lopez's and Sarah Jessica Parker's mm. Instagram accounts very, very closely. And I mm. I have been led to believe that they're both very involved in fragrance development. And you don't think that it would be in some way beneficial to the brand nope. to, to put that out there on social media? I think if I used JLo's fragrance, that suddenly I would look like her. And yet you've chosen not to. I know. I think I need a fragrance. If it was a celebrity endorsed fragrance that was the greatest thing I'd ever smelled, I, I still wouldn't wear it because I just think it was too yeah. tacky to wear a, a famous person's no, perfume. No, you just need to wash yourself more. That's all you need to focus on. <laughs> I'm not joking. I was very excited to see that when they were out in the forest, Alan was wearing my raincoat. Yes, you and Alan own the same Stutterheim raincoat. Doesn't it make you feel good? It does. I love that raincoat. Yeah, it's a great one. You, you quite often borrow it. But you never, ever roll the sleeves back down. Well, t- like you never put the seat on the toilet down. And you often forget to flush when you're just weeing. And then you claim that it's for the environment, but it's not. And then you continuously like leave your shoes in this position so that the next person coming in who opens the door and tries to close it, it gets caught on your shoes. And I got to deal with that. Do you want to get off this topic? Now? Are we doing a hat watch? Hat watch, hat watch. Hat watch. Okay, we have (laughs) Stephanie. Stephanie joined the hat club. I think she finally went, oh, everyone's doing hats. And then she 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 brought sort of a almost a country bumpkin style hat. When we saw her at breakfast in the hat, you went, she didn't pack it very well. No, I I thought (laughs) Stephanie probably needs to invest in a hat box. I've I've had that thing on a plane where I've taken a hat and then it's got squashed in the overhead. Oh, you and hats. Christian, he was back in his wide brim. He also did a blue beanie. Kate's in her wide brim. Fergus did his flat cap. Alan did another tiny chapeau paired with elbow length leather indigo gloves. Um, and, and so actually the most significant hat in these two episodes was Andy, who wore just like sort of a classic little baseball cap, and I didn't even notice it. Oh, yeah, it looked like early Pet Shop Boys, I thought. Yeah, 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 Yeah. she looked great, as she tends to do. And I was like, oh my God, we're at a stage with hats where you can't even notice a baseball hat because people have been making so many dramatic choices throughout. I was enjoying quite a lot of the knitwear on display at the breakfast fashion parade. Quentin had a cardigan. Yeah. I found myself singing Quentin in a cardi to the tune of the Smith's girlfriend in a coma, like, Quentin in a cardi, I know, I know, it's serious. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, yeah he's he's a, a wonderful dresser. Is now a good time to mention some thoughts on Quentin? Mm. He took me on a ride. He took me on a ride, and I'll tell you why. So I spent most of episodes seven and eight thinking, Quentin, listen, you're very, very likable, but my God, you are not good with people. Like, he is good with people. He's not good at reading them. But then the way he responded to Rachel's kind of breakdown. Remind us what he did. Essentially, he said a very, it's a cliche thing that people say all the time, but it's like, you know, you really get the measure of a person with how they respond when they're under pressure. Can I just say, my mom is someone who responds brilliantly to pressure. It's the rest of the time that she's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) 
So, 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 I do and don't think under pressure is the measure of a person. But also, he was so composed in the the face of her onslaught that I saw I, I saw real emotional intelligence in his response. And I thought, man, you're really you're taking me on a ride here. Are you listening to this and thinking, oh, they, they think they're perceptive? Here's what they're missing out on. Are we getting any of these people wrong? There's still time. One more episode to go, and we'd love to hear from you. It is hoods up at latesttraitors.com. This is from Derek. It's just titled Kate. Hi, Sarah and Jeff. Let me just tell you, you will not be disappointed by Kate on Below Deck. That's all. Derek, thank you. That's interesting, isn't it? I am already feeling sadness and anxiety about not having the traitors in our life. And to know that we could get into Below Deck feels like a, like a little blanket that you can wrap around yourself. But we're not really reality show people, if, even though we've gone... No, I know. For the traitors. But it's, I, I can't imagine us getting into something like that. We'd watch one or two episodes and can then I say that what, would be it. Yes, but obviously I know us well and I know what we're into. And I do feel that watching this show, we laugh at Kate more than we laugh at most comedy that makes it onto TV. The woman can perform for the camera. She has good, good timing. She has timing. Paul on Twitter. How bad is Christian at trading? Yes, I call it trading. Paul, I strongly approve of trading as a verb. Also, Paul writes, special mention to the way Alan says turret and dollars. Oh, you're going to do Scottish accent nope, for us? Nope, not going to do it. Because I, I, I can't not do it because do it. Um, it's inappropriate for an English person to do a Scottish accent, but I think it's okay for you as an American. No. But partly because of how bad it will be. (sighs) Yeah, that's what I was wondering is to a Scot, does an American or an English person feel more offensive attempting a Scottish accent? I think the power imbalance over hundreds of years means it's it's an English person. Turret. No, no, wait. Turret. Do you know how I didn't need any... Oh, oh, I can do the accent. Here we go! (laughs) The turret... It's been the turret. What? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. There's been a murder turret. That was worth goading you into. And then one of our dearest friends, Catherine, oh, we, Catherine. we saw that she had tweeted about the traitors. She didn't tweet us, by the way. She's not listening to the podcast. Mm. She doesn't need us in her ear. I think this is the smartest thing we think about the show constantly at the moment. And this never occurred to me. Here's what Catherine tweeted. When will people figure out that the last person to come to breakfast each morning is A, the viewer's other option for who might have been murdered, and so B, definitely not a traitor? That's so brilliant. It's genius. That is Catherine with a K, Jakeways. Let's get her some, I mean, she doesn't need our help. She's very successful. And, and I don't, I, I also doubt how uh, effective we would be in getting us some new followers as well. Listen, you guys, leave her, like, don't go too crazy, everyone who's listening, okay? Like, don't inundate her. Leave, leave it a few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah leave spread it a few it, Spread it out. Get, we don't want to overwhelm like, her. Uh, like, we don't want to overwhelm her. Sometimes, like, like skyrocketing to fame overnight can really overwhelm people. <laughs> we know that. All right. But, um, yeah, so smart. It is. I suppose they could kind of edit people arriving out of sequence a little bit, perhaps. 
Maybe. Two more episodes of The Traitors to go, one more episode of the podcast, although we might have some bonus content for you because Sarah has been interacting with one of the cast members on social media. It was Claudia Winkleman. She messaged me directly <laughs> to say, darling, I'll follow you on everything. <laughs> Can you imagine? It was Michael. So Michael and I found each other. And so we're going to talk to him. We're Zooming. We're Zooming with Michael. We're Zooming with Michael. We're very excited. We're going to speak to an actual banished faithful before the day is out. And then you'll get to hear that. But if you have anything that you'd like to share with us ahead of our final recap episode, is that that what we're calling it, of of Series 1 of The Traitors US, email us hoodsup at latesttraitors.com. Right, let's talk about the tasks. We have already mentioned one in passing, but uh, the first one we saw was the haunted billiard room. Yes. And it was almost like they had blown their budget on the barrel task and then needed to do something cheap for the next one. You see that, but I, I, I got anxiety. I'm a very neat person. And I don't like anything that involves like trashing anything. What did Kate say? She went, the billiards room looks different. There's shit everywhere. <laughs> It reminded me of um, years and years ago, I was doing a phone interview with the actor Christopher Lee. I don't know who that is. Yeah, one of the greats. He played Dracula. He was the baddie in a bunch of James Bond films. He was in the Lord of the Rings films. I I think you'd know him if you saw him. Let me just Google image him. That guy. Yeah, sort of. Sorry, you want me to be more impressed. Okay, so you interviewed him. No, it wasn't a name drop. It was a phone interview. And usually how these things go is they or their publicist call you on a private number uh-huh. that you give to them in advance. Uh-huh. So ahead of the interview, the, the private number rings and it's one of these automated messages from the operator saying, will you accept a reverse charge phone call from... And then this voice goes, Lee! <laughs> Actually Shakespearean voice. So, so he, he didn't want to pay the cost of the call. And, oh my god! And then I called him back, and I said, "Hello, Christopher. We're doing the phone interview." And he just started ranting. He said, "I'm on the way back from London. I hate London these days. There's shit everywhere." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. R.I.P. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you, Kate, and Christopher Lee. I just was thinking about all these people who are then going to have to clean it up. But I guess it's manual labor for these people behind the scenes, no matter what, all the time, always. Exactly, yes. I just didn't think about it until I saw a mess. We allowed Fergus a few close-ups in this challenge, and the man is ready for his close-up, Mr. DeMille. He's ready for that camera right in his face, and he almost did sort of like a humorous, there was a glimmer in Fergus's eye. Yes, I, I, I felt it asked of him some comedic facial performance that perhaps wasn't the subtlest thing I've ever oh. said. I, th- I think that he would have done well in the silent film era. I sort of respectfully disagree with you. I felt well, that... You're, you're the comedian. I mean, I'm, I'm... Well, I love... There was a moment where the boys, it was Quentin, Christian, and Ari, and they were confident that they got three for three. And Alan went, very confident, weren't you? And very, very wrong. And they were like, oh, bro. And I thought, I want like an updated version of Queer Eye, where all I want it to like be. Like Bro Eye. 
Where, where they're, they're going to get people no. to dress in plaid yes. shirts. It's queer eye for the boots. bro guy. And it's only Alan Cumming taking down overconfident bros who don't know what the fuck they're doing. I'm requesting that. I'm not even going to try and um, trademark it. Gia, but I want that to be made. You also, you feel that Christian performs his cravelly voice. Do you think sometimes he has it and sometimes he doesn't? I think he, he, he loves Batman or something and, and he wants to be like that kind of guy. And and okay. every now and again he remembers and the rest of the time it just slips his mind. I don't notice it at all, except that I'm sat next to you on the sofa watching and you go, oh, the gravelly voice is back. But I wouldn't notice notice otherwise. And then the other task we've talked about quite a lot, but the, the cabin task. Mm-hmm. And I did think on the UK version, and I'm not sure had it not been for your extreme reaction, I wouldn't have thought the same thing. I think this show is a bit better than tipping maggots onto people. I just worry about the dignity of the maggots' lives. That's very you of you. Um... And the rats. Did Amy Winehouse have a pet rat that she kept in her hair? Or have I made that, that can't up? Be real, that can't be real. <laughs> Can somebody have, just, if, I, if I imagined that? There's no way a, a rat. I'm is, not saying all the time. That was big hair, R.I.P. But that was big hair. But you're not talking about a mouth. No, there's no way. There's okay. no way. But um, I disagree with you. That's how I felt in the UK version. But I think we fast forwarded through it. I don't think we. Well, I think that might have been yeah. our mistake. So I, this is going to be my lesson to myself that I'm going to stop fast forwarding through any challenge, except that fucking bell thing. I can't. I hate oh, I the bell. The, the bell is my favorite. So then no one needs to know our opinions. Then the why are we doing this podcast? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, do you know what I really think? This is such um like a, a, a microscope or whatever it would be on my narcissism is I'm like, well, if someone who makes the show is listening, they're like, listen, Jeff and Sarah are smart. What do they think? And I know those people aren't really listening, but a middle-aged lady who has to have a dream. Stray thoughts about those two episodes. See, I think there's a helicopter circling above. I don't know if you can hear it on the microphones, but I'm, I'm worried it might be executives from Studio Lambert trying to, <laughs> trying to shut us down. They want to be back in my good graces after not casting me in that show that was cancelled after one season. You're certainly endearing yourself for future projects that they might want to work with oh, you on. Oh, it didn't even occur to me. Listen, I really love your work on Gogglebox, but I wish that as a middle-aged mother of one with under eye bags that I wasn't auditioned for a part that you had already cast and given to a model. Right. So these stray thoughts then. Okay. Do you think they can do laundry at the castle? I I imagine so. And do you think it's like a drop-off service? Do you think some of those people are like going in somewhere and like washing their own underpants? No, no, of of course not. There will will be um, researchers, runners attending to their every need. They're not being let out to a laundrette, are they? Or given a mangle to do it in their rooms. Okay. Quentin can wear a blanket. There are people who can and people who can't. And as discussed, Alan can, Rachel can't, Quentin can. I think you wear a blanket like somebody at the scene of an emergency. When when the emergency services give one. Yes, that's how I wear any blanket in any situation. (laughs) Kate, at Rachel's elimination, wrote her own name down. I know she tried to commit Harry Carey. She tried to fall on her own sword. Yes. She's desperate to get out and she thought, oh, maybe I can write. And do you think somebody said, no, you can't do that? Well, that's. I'm not curious about why she wrote her note. Because we know she just wants out. Yeah, she just wants out. I'm curious why she had to erase it and write Rachel. It wasn't a change of heart. No, I wonder if someone came up to her and like the rules of the game. Kate at some stage said, said something brilliant. Kate said, you know how they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I don't want to be any stronger. 
I, I feel like I've been grasping for that my whole life every time somebody has used that phrase. What I've always thought about that is that it doesn't. It mostly just like erodes your enjoyment of life. Like, it doesn't kill you. <laughs> Just ero- like just breaks you makes down. you more of a shadow. Yeah, makes you a shadow of your former self. Um, Christian at one point, <laughs> he went, I am tired spiritually, mentally, and physically. And people say that a lot. They'll be like spiritually, mentally, physically. And I don't understand what a, what a spiritual fatigue is. <laughs> so if someone says, I'm tired mentally and physically, I go, okay, yeah, I got it. You're tired spiritually? Does this mean you're actually starting to question your faith in God? <laughs> Because of, <laughs> because of this because... goddamn game. <laughs> I've been a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ for my whole life. But the the way that Rachel behaved at the, the round table, it's making me doubt the existence of a, a supreme being exactly. creating the universe. That's how bad it is. Finally, some quotes. Alan said, Fergus just had this castle feng shuied. Oh, that was good. When he was acting like it was such a shame about all the... The billiard room. The billiard room. We should get into billiards. Absolutely not. No, I don't want to. And then a moment I absolutely loved when Sri was sort of complaining about Stephanie spreading her name around. And um, in the midst of Sri bitching, Andy says to Sri, hold it for the table. Yes, I love that. And I thought, "Mm, hold it for the table. We should introduce that into our marriage. Also to anyone out there who's a big fan of RuPaul... It reminds me of every time that Rue goes, bring it to the runway, hold it for the table. Before we start wrapping up and give our uh, assessment and appraisal of how the traitors are doing, how the faithful are doing, we should mention that Sarah is performing at the Soho Theatre in London later this week. If you listen to this podcast when it's released, you're there Wednesday to Saturday, 9.15 every night with an hour of stand-up called Hard Feelings. Thank you, darling. You just did all my plug, plug, plug. Very, very funny. Come spend an hour with me. It'd be so nice to meet you. There is a link in the show notes of this episode. Right then, there's just two more episodes to go. I think if I was a traitor, I I would be thinking about the endgame differently to the rest of the game. How do you think they're doing? Especially now we've got Ari in the mix. I think Ari's good. I think he's doing a good job. I think Christian's survival. And by the way, like a few episodes on, I don't hate him as much as I did. But I think he's survived through pure luck. Whereas I think Sari is playing a very good game. And we didn't end this episode on the cusp of a murder, did we? We saw Kate confide in Sari that she thinks Christian might have been a traitor from the off. Presumably... At the next round table, we'll see Sari have no qualms about roping Inari to throw Christian under the bus. But what about the murder? Is is there a murder? Ari's got a shield, hasn't he? No, Ari's done having shields. He's had two shields. I don't think no, he's he got any three, shields now. No, he got three in a row. He did? Yes. Sorry, guys. I know you expect a high standard of watching from me, but perhaps I was doing an Instagram yeah. post. <laughs> um, okay, so I think they should kill Andy or um, Quentin might be going soon. Stephanie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a dumb. I feel embarrassed that I said that. It's Stephanie, right? But she is one of those people, if I was the traitor, I would want her around at the end to, yeah, to make it more chaotic thing. and confusing. No one is thinking it could be Quentin or Andy. So then I feel like they're dead weight. We will see. Alan did a, a magnificent reading of a, a Dylan Thomas. I thought, with all that money your parents spent on a drama degree at New York University, I wondered if we could finish the episode with with your reading of the same know? bit of poetry. I want to say something. First of all, I also got a lot of scholarship money from NYU. Secondly, and my grandmother contributed also, this is designed to embarrass me. 
Do not go gentle into the good night, but rage, rage against the dying of the light. Let's end the episode. See you next time for the final. Bye.